You're listening to Integrity Radio. My name is Z. Join me and my wife, Ronnie, as we explore the objective meaning behind human integrity. Perhaps together, we can all respectfully discover and implement more integrity into our lives. Enjoy. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Z here. I'm up way too early once again. Ronnie is probably up and doing her morning thing. Waiting for me to bring some tea. Which I'm going to do right about now. So thank you everybody for, or anyone who uh, replied to the last few somewhat morbid posts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, shit happens. Integrity. Now, you know... I don't call this Integrity Radio because I am the Grand Poobah of Integrity. Oh no, by far. I call this Integrity Radio because I think integrity is important for us humans. And yes, and integrity has become such a subjective um, thing topic you know if you essentially if you type in integrity on the internet on YouTube (laughs) it's predominantly a bunch of religious hijacking of the word and that's what inspired me to create this radio station because I do want to know what integrity is I do want to become more of an integral human and um my hopes is that we can do this together. And warning, often it's not pretty. Breaking from bad behavior into integrity, yeah, that can be a very challenging thing. In fact, it can be so challenging that it will make you want to give up when things are rough. But we can't give in to that. We can't give in to the rough times. We can't give in to our failures. So, in that vein, I must continue on. You can't go backwards in time. That's what science tells us. You can't go back. You have to move forward. And that's how I would like me and the rest of humanity to behave. Move forward. And to somehow muster up as much aloha for other humans as you can. I mean the true meaning of aloha. So aloha is a bit more of an intense word than love. Alright, so back at the work at hand, which is discovering integrity. And playing music, of course. Integrity Radio. So let's go back to base one. What is the objective meaning of integrity? And then two, how do we embody integrity? Yo, Sifu. This is uh, Chad Sifu. 
hey man, you know, I know you don't hear from me too often, and I kind of just chime in uh, here and there, whenever, kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know, i just been a little busy. I got uh, some other things that I have to do, and unfortunately, I don't have the time to create as much content as everybody else. Therefore, that is why I only chime in here and there. When I do have something to say, I put it up. Nobody listens to it, though. But, you know, whatever. That's alright. People say things better than I do anyway. Anyway, I'm not really the social media kind of guy in the first place, so, you know, chat out. Hi, Chad. Thanks for calling in. Um, yeah, you know, I, I get what you mean, man. I so totally get what you mean by the social media. You know, there's just so much going on and, and there's so much, so many people pulling you here and there, pulling your attention, pulling your focus away. I totally get that and I totally understand why you would want to withdraw from that. However, Withdrawing from social media is a lot like withdrawing from uh, phones and electricity and stuff like that. It's, uh, well, it's just going to make your life harder. It's not that you can't do it. Of course you can do it. You know I've done that. I've done that many times. And, uh, and perhaps you need to go through a period of that. So I'm not really arguing or debating that. However, uh, I just want to say that mostly the issue with social media and why I go back to it is self-discipline and work. It takes work. If you're really going to accomplish something on social media, then you, you have to work at it just like you would anything else, except it makes the work easier. It makes it much easier. So if you're not digging the social platform, it's because you're probably trying to use it in a way that um, frustrates, you know, so um, I, I hope you do um, come back to the social media and you can focus and, um, and really chime in more because, uh, like I said, I really appreciate um, your perspective, especially your perspective. So, um, all right, man. I look forward to hearing more from you if you decide to do this. All right. Aloha. Hey everybody, I have a message for you. If you're involved in martial arts, specifically Wing Chun, and I'll even go specifically the Wing Chun that I teach, and you're in it for fun, because you know, this is a fun little hobby for you, I really suggest you get out. I suggest you do something else. At the very least, train in Wing Chun somewhere else. Uh, but I would even suggest uh, if you have to do martial arts, go do jiu-jitsu or something. And, uh, and, but I would even suggest not doing martial arts. And let me tell you why. Because gong fu means hard work. It's, it's not fun. It's hard work. So if you want to do gong fu or even martial arts, I'll, I'll extend this out to the martial art camp. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. This shit is hard work. This ain't fun. Gung Fu isn't entertainment. I mean, it can be, but this, that's not what I'm teaching. Gung Fu isn't uh, entertainment or sport. It takes hard work 
to work on yourself and your interpersonal relationships with other people. Don't get me wrong, it can be fun. It has its fun points, but for the most part, it's work. It's just like life. It's predominantly a lot of work with some fun. Lightly sprinkled in between the increments of hard labor. Blood, strife, tears. I would suspect that for a lot of people, just listening to my voice is just too hard of a job. Listening to the words I'm saying and the way that I'm saying them is just too hard of a job. I get it. I understand. But I still got to do it. I still have to try to make myself and the people around me better human beings. Listen, folks, if the world is fucked, it's fucked because of us all. And if you feel like the world is fucked, which would be a very, I think, accurate perspective at this point, then you should take the work of integrity very seriously. And I hope that this station can represent the serious work and the bits of joy in between. Thank you, thank you so much for listening. Integrity Radio. Attacking an idea is not the same as physically attacking you. Now, ideas are things like, uh, you know, a thought you had, or maybe religion, maybe a philosophy. Yeah, these are non-tangible, non-physical things. And attacking them in any way, shape, or form is not the same as being physically attacked. Hell, even threatening isn't the same as attacking. But boy, does it feel like you're physically being attacked, doesn't it? I mean, when someone attacks or threatens an idea that I have, my heart rate gets going. It's just incredible. It, it, it actually feels like my nervous system is being attacked. But... The reality is, is nothing has happened. Just your idea or your thoughts have been attacked. They've been questioned. They've been, they've been put on pedestal. And boy, is it hard not to feel like you're physically being attacked. So you guys that do Wing Chun, you know where I'm going with this, right? When you do Siompel, it helps you to find your center and to compress and to keep your shit together and to zen out when people are attacking your most precious ideas and thoughts and beliefs. You know, a lot of our self-worth is wrapped up in our ideas and we can intellectually know that Attacking an idea is not the same as being physically attacked. But still, we physically respond to it, don't we? And that's a good thing, because that's exactly what should be happening. Now, it's how you respond to it, right? It's, can you compress this and, and pull it center and, and pull it into context and relax? And keep your mind calm. Do you see what I mean by Wing Chun being 
so important to the human race? Do you see what I mean? Now, I'm not talking to everyone here. I'm mostly talking to the students that have done Siontel and have been training. Do you see how this can help humanity, to help us attain humanity? Do you see why we need to work so hard on ourselves during Siontel, on our interpersonal communications with the rest of the world? No, it's not easy. And yes, you're going to fuck up. I'm going to fuck up. I fuck up. We all fuck up. We just have to keep going. We all get lazy. We just have to pick ourselves up and keep going. We all fall into dishonesty. We just have to stop, pick ourselves up, and keep going. Mostly what I mean by dishonesty is self-dishonesty. So, in the words of the amazing Randy, he would always tell me when I talk like this, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Integrity Radio. I never heard of the word contrarian until I discovered Christopher Hitchens. And that may be because there's not a lot of people that define themselves as contrarians. But mostly contrarians beget arguments, and I, I don't think most people really enjoy arguing. However, successful arguments lead to communication of new ideas and perspectives. Now you may say, why not discuss things? Well, sure, you can discuss things, but when topics become very important, then that's where the argument comes in handy. When answers are needed, an argument is almost, well, indispensable. Because unlike a discussion, an argument insists on being resolved. Now, it's vital that arguments don't become physical attacks. And even personal verbal attacks may be unwarranted. I think it's important to remember that it's the idea that's being argued, not the person. It's also important to constantly remember that the person is more important than the idea. I think it's a shame when we forget that, and we all forget that. And therefore, we all must be forgiving of each other for this. Hey, no, 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 Luna. no, no. I'll go find a good stick. 
No, go get one of the toys. The new two, the new pool toy. All right, Bill T. Yeah. Bill T in the house, right? Actually, Bill T on the front steps. Listen up. What are you doing? It's Trying just. To pull off Luna oh come on! Leave Luna slobber alone. Now listen, <laughs> hey, Einstein. You know Einstein, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's like the smartest guy. That one of the smartest guys, right? Yeah. Uh, scientist. Now, he says. That if you have a theory, it isn't worth anything unless you, you can explain it to a child. Now, I know you're kind of getting up there in age, but do you, would you can still consider yourself a child? Probably. I'm Good. not a teenager yet. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a child, right? Every, in fact, when you become an adult, everybody wants to then become a child again, right? <laughs> so, it, you really should appreciate your childhood. So... Okay, I'm gonna try to explain something to me, and you gotta be honest and tell me if you can understand it or not. Okay, you know when, like, you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, or any of those kind of stories, right? You know how stories aren't really true. Yeah. But the the like at the end, it tells like a truth, even though the story isn't true. At the end, there's like a truth, like you know, you shouldn't be. Oh, yeah. Greedy, yeah. or you know, yeah. it's like a fable or something. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna try to explain something. The the I almost called them letters. The numbers zero, one, and infinity are lies. The other numbers aren't, but zero, one, and infinity. Zero is not a number. I don't get how one is, but infinity is not a number either. Uh, right. So, uh, so, however, these numbers are used in order to tell a story that isn't a lie. How is one a lie? Oh, okay. So, how, well, zero, there's no, there's, there can never be no thing, right? There's always something, right? Mm -hmm. So zero is, is not true, and then one. Uh, there, what? What is one? There is no one. There's always more than one, right? One pretty odd thing. Yeah, but I tell you, especially Luna girl. I, they, I, I've seen more of her than any other dog. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So but there's, and, and if there's one, and if there is ever one, there will soon be none. You oh. see? Right? There's always going to be more than one. And then infinity. Okay, what's the biggest number you can think of, right? Infinity. Okay, plus one. There, I just made a bigger infinity. Infinity plus one. Infinity plus infinity. Infinity, infinity times infinity. I mean, it all gets silly, right? So these are lies. However, they're important lies because they tell very true stories about ourselves and about the universe. Make sense? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think we got ourselves uh, a, a true-to-life hypothesis turning into theory. It's probably already a theory that people don't really recognize. All right, time to take that away from Luna before she rips her, her, her teeth out of her own head. Luna. 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 Luna, let's go. Luna. Integrity let's Radio. Go, Luna. Hey, honey, I have an idea. What's your idea? <laughs> Um, let's do a little art show.
a Gen Z family art show. That's a great idea. All right. And then, well, an art show for anchorites uh, is just a matter of clicking, clicking on the link. And the link is actually the title of this segment. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wondered how you were going to get a link in there. Yeah, so uh, Anchor lets you put a link in the title to your segment. So if you want to check out our art, uh, go uh, click the link. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, Chad, I'd match you on that sound, but I broke my bong. Yeah. And uh, I've just been too damn lazy to buy a new one. Really, just a new stem. But, uh, hey, man. You know, it's what we're here on the planet for, to help each other out, right? And, uh, you know, especially when we uh, kind of take a bong rip and open our brains up and really cool stuff starts to emerge. Perspectives start to emerge, right? Well, there's still going to be some oversight, right? That's what a seafood's for. That's <laughs> and so, yes, uh, you know, when you're trying to figure stuff out, it's called digitizing it, turned into a one or a zero, or a yes or a no, a, a right or a wrong. Um, it's just how it is. It's, that's, <laughs> that's, scientifically, that's not a subjective thing. Um, you, you know, uh, it, things may boil down to a 50-50, but the conclusions aren't 50-50. <laughs> you know, in other words, um, is there a God or is there not a God? Well, if you say maybe, then you're what's called an apologetics, right? If you say no, then they consider you an atheist. And um, so, yes, and you're a religious nutbag. So... <laughs> There certainly are a lot of things in life that aren't black and white, right and wrong. But on the same hand, there certainly are things that are black and white and right and wrong. And so it's just important that we don't blur that line so easily. We're not so easily brought to blur that line. All right, man, you know, uh, this is exactly the sort of thing I love to hear, man. I love to hear the mind, the brain, thinking and opening up and expanding. It just, it, it, it takes a lot of work. And it's just funny when it happens, you know? Sometimes it happens when you're uh, on the toilet or when you're crying or when you're frustrated. I mean, you know, you, you just never know when progress is actually being made. Not run, when you're right in the middle of it. So I'm not sure if you were being apologetic, um, but I just wanted to sort of tap in and maybe even inquire uh, if, if that's what that was, uh, being apologetic or, um, and again, not even a matter of right and wrong, because uh, sometimes when we speak, we speak in reference to being apologetic or in reference to, you know, so um, anyway. However, instead of me stumbling over my words, <laughs> I'll uh, hand you over to Frank Zappa and uh, the song 5050. If you're on Anchor, you'll hear it. If not, sorry, go look it up on YouTube. But even more importantly, go check out the lyrics to 
Frank Zappa's 50-50. I just might have something to say. You know, I have a note here that says, how do you know the unconscious mind is bigger than the conscious? And, uh... Archetypes. That was the answer I gave here. Uh, I don't have this whole conversation in my head, but I did write a note down to um, to try to remember it. And yes, archetypes are a great uh, are great proof that our unconscious mind is pretty big. I'll see if I can go into that a little later. But if listener. If you have anything you want to chime in on that. Archetypes and the unconscious mind. Hmm, that would make a topic, wouldn't it? Okay, okay. I think my brain's coming back to it a little bit. I think so. Here, let me close the door here. Um, in Hollywood. <coughs> in theater. Um, there is acting. But in Hollywood... There is only recreating. There, there really isn't acting. There's no room for acting in Hollywood on the screen, on the big screen, uh, on television. It, it, it's just simply too much, right? So um, there is no more acting in Hollywood. It's all recreating. And in fact, I'm saying this because I've worked in Hollywood for many years. And... Um, no, what they do is they actually get those people. For instance, um, they would often hire doctors to play doctors. And we're talking bit parts here. But the bit parts and the supporting parts are really what make the picture, right? So uh, when they hire policemen, they typically hire real policemen. When they hire thugs uh, and fighters and stuff like that, they typically hire real fighters. Um, and the reason being is the camera would catch the acting. You, you have to be a real one of those in order uh, to successfully pull it off. It's a very interesting thing. So, and this all works off of the archetype because it's very important to develop the archetype to support the main character, um, which is actually acting, but he's probably an actor that has learned the skill of recreating for screen, which is very challenging, especially for those actors that are hired for their archetype, not for their talent. And when their archetype expires, well, they don't have their talent to carry them through. <laughs> so anyway, that's my one proof of the unconscious being much larger than the conscious. I'll see if I can come up with any other. Integrity Radio.
fighting each other. Okay, Blackett, Sparrow and Walters, you take the buggy from the left flank. Hold and Sparrow and Walters the gun post. Oh, right, hang on, six eight, you'll never make it, sir. Let us come with you. Do it, old man. Right, lads, get back. Oh, sir, sir. If, if we, we don't meet again, sir, I'd just like to say it's been a, it's been a real privilege fighting alongside you, sir. Yes, well, this is time, old place for goodbye speech, eh? No, no, me and the lads realise it, sir, but, well... We may never meet again, sir, so... Yes, all, I... all right, Blackett. Thanks. No, just a moment, sir. See, me and the lads, we've had a little whip around, sir. We brought you something, sir. We brought you this, sir. Oh, well, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, it's a lovely thought. Thank you. Well, thank you all, sir. But, but I think we better get... Come on, sir. We've got something else for you as well, sir. Uh, Sorry, it's another clock, sir. I mean, there was a bit of a mix-up. Uh, Walter thought he was buying a present, and Spadger and I had already got the other one. Well, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, I think we'd better get the cover now, oh, and I'll thank you probably later on. Corporal Sturridge got this for you as well, sir. He didn't know about the others, sir. It's Swiss. Oh, well, now that is Corporal Sturridge. Good man. And there's a card, sir, from all of us. Sorry about the blood, sir. Thank you all. Squad, three cheers for Captain Biggs. Hip hip! Hooray! Hip hip! Hooray! Hip hip! Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'll be all right, sir. Oh, just one other thing, sir. Spadge, give him the check. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, this is really going too far. Oh, I don't think we'll be able to find you, sir. Uh, be, be number four, Trench. Oh, for sake, forget it, man. You shouldn't have said that, sir. You've hurt his feelings now. Don't mind me, Splash. Toft is all the same. One minute's all please and thank you. The next I'll kick you in the teeth. Yeah. Oh, let's not give him the cake. I don't want any cake. Look, Blackett cooked especially for you, you bastard. Yeah, he saved his rations for six weeks, sir. I don't mean to be ungrateful. Yeah. I'll be all right. Blackett! Blackett! Look at him. He worked on that cake like no one else I've ever known. Some nights it was so cold we could hardly move. But Black would be out there slicing the lemons, mixing the sugar and the almonds. I mean, you tried trying to get butter to melt at 15 degrees below zero. There's love in that cake. This man's love. And this man's care. And this... Oh, oh my Christ. You bastard. All right. We will eat the cake. They're right, it's... It's too good a cake not to eat. Get the plates and knives, Walters. Yes, sir. How many plates? Six. Ah! Ah! No, better make it five. Tablecloth, sir? Yes, get the tablecloth. Ah! No, 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 no. I'll, I'll get the tablecloth. And you better get the gaelic table hot. Ah! And the little mat, sir. Yes. Oh, while you're at better get a doily. I'll bring two for in case you want to Okay. There are a few stories that bear repeating over and over, but Lenny Bruce's Masked Man is one of them.
Did you see that? That's unbelievable. Again, I bought a present for him, made a whole party. He don't wait. I'll keep the money, but just sucker. It's a masked man. It's a beautiful person. Hey, wait a minute. We have more presents. This guy is selfish. Did you give him any money? Not a nickel. How many times you took the garbage out already first? Clean up the yard. We don't want nothing. This is a beautiful person. There hasn't been one guard like that. Every guard always stuck around for... Look what I did for you. Or his friends tell you what we're... This. Hurry-ho! Wait a minute, mask man. We got a present for you. Mask man. Did you give him any money? I didn't give him a nickel. You either? Good nature schmuck. You ain't got a quarter. I'm telling you. He don't take nothing. He don't even take thank you. They all take. He don't take, I'm telling you. shit now. And that's the third time I made a present for him, he ran off. I don't mind for me, but my ma, she made coffee and cake and everything. That bastard. Is he kidding? Was he too good for everybody? He saw the order that came out, he made coffee and cake, and that schmuck rides off. And he laughed at us, I'm telling you. He went high on like that. He's no good, I'm telling you. The fink. Bastard, I hate it. He saw the old lady came out with arthritis here. Send the coffee, coffee for you. I'm going to get him. I'll get him. I don't want to hear that shit. He's a nice guy. He's not a nice guy. If he's a nice guy, how come he leaves bullets for everybody? I don't care if they're silver, he leaves bullets. You know why he leaves the bullets? I'll bet you give me a Dr. Ehrlich the magic bullet, 606. What's that? Syphilis. What? Sure, that's what he's saying. He's saying in his own way that the whole world is syphilis. And that's why he rides over this mouth coat. You don't want no part of nobody. Emmett, I'm telling you. Hey, Pop, bring him back. I'm going to kick his ass all over the lot. Now, bring him back here right now. <laughs> don't you move, you psychotic. Hold the gun, Ma. Mask man, what's your story, buddy? You know Mr. D'Angelo, he's hopping ass mad at you. His mommy made all them hot tatty kicks, and you run off. Run off and didn't wait for nothing. How come you're so snotty you can't accept love or thank you for nobody? Not explain if you get your goddamn hands off me, you barbarians. The reason I never wait for thank you, see, uh... Supposing once I wait for thank you. Thank you, mad man. What's that? Thank you, mad man. Thank you, masked man. Now, damn it, I like that. Let's hear it once again, son. Thank you, mad man. Thank you, masked man. Isn't that sweet? Help! Get the masked man! We're in trouble! A little busy now. I'm getting a few thank yous. Masked man, help! Help! We're being robbed! Get the masked man! Don't break my balls now. I help two people a lot. I'm entitled to take one week off to get some thank yous. You're not going to get nothing if you keep it up. All right, let's have it again. Thank you, Mass Man. I'm going to get a book. That's all. Screw these people. I'll get a thank you, Mass Man book. I'll put it in the book. And I'm old. They'll say, you in the shingle business? Ah, well, you think I was always in the shingle business? Look at this. Thank you, Mass Man. Leo Carrillo, Freeport, Long Island. Look at all the thank you, Mass Man. I'm going down to the mailbox and see if the thank you, Mass Man man's been here today. Yeah, he's okay. A lot of good things to say, you know. He's, the, he's not the whole brains. After all, the outfits, a lot of other people work very hard. Paul, Luke, and all them people. Someone's been fooling with my mail. I know it. Someone's fooling with my mail. Where's my thank you, mass man? There are no more thank you, mass man. The Messiah returned during the night. The Messiah? Well, what does it do with me? Well, you see, men like yourself, you thrived upon the continuance of segregation, violence, and disease. Now the Messiah's returned, all is pure. You're in the shithouse. <laughs> well, then I'll make trouble. 
Because I'm geared for it. And I must have a thank you, masked man. And that's why I always ride off and never wait for thank you. Damn, you sure can talk some shit, buddy. <laughs> I got a damn headache. My head hurts me. What the hell are you talking about? Thank you, Madman. Leave Korea, Freeport, Long Island. Look, I work for the city. You know what I mean, buddy? I got a job to do. Now, look, I'm here to see you accept a present. Just one present. Do it for the kids. We'll get the hell out of here. What do you say? All right, for the children, I'll do it. Give me... No ashtrays. Anything I want? Anything. Just take it, buddy. Whip or doll, anything. Things up on the top shelf. Shelf. I tell you what. Anything? Give me that Indian over there. Who's that? Tonto? Yes, Tonto. I want Tonto the Indian. <laughs> the hell are you talking about? You can't have Tonto. Bullshit, you made the deal. That's what I want. I want Tonto the Indian. You're going to get you Tonto, buddy. His name ain't Tonto. It's Tonto. What do you want Tonto for? To perform an unnatural act. To what? To perform an unnatural act. Oh, the masked man's a fag. Ah. Ah. The fag man. Ah, like dirty fag, you dang queer, you. The masked fag man. Ain't that a kick in the ass? But you get mascara under that damn mask, ain't you? A dang queer. I never knew you a fag masked man. I'm not a fag, but I heard a lot about it and read exposés. I want to try it now to see how bad it is. Just once. I like what they do with fags anyway. The punishment is quite correct. They throw them in jail a lot of men. Very clever. <laughs> Wash them up and get them ready. Uh, I tell you what, give me the horse, too. What do you want that horse for? For the act. Ah. Disgusting fag. He's a dang queer freak. Ah. Disgusting fag. This is Z. Um, I'm going to play something that Chad recorded. And uh, <laughs> it's really impressive because uh, if you're a musician, you know all the chord changes that you have to pull off to play this song. That is, if you're going to actually try to play all the chords, you could just sort of bang out the roots and whatnot. So, um, but anyway, I wanted to play this. And um, then I'm, right after, I'm going to play uh, another version of it. And uh, I don't know, I think both versions sort of speak the same language. You, you tell me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, My Way by Chad. Oh no, the end is near 
So I had to read it if you don't mind. And now the end is near, and so I face 
the final curtain, my friend. I say it clear. I state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived. Life is full. I travel each and every highway and more. It's more than this. I did it my way. Regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exception. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. More than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew. Had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that, and may I say, not in a shy way. And he has not to say the word he truly feels, and not the words the world reveals. The record shows I took the blow and did it my way. The record shows. Ladies and gentlemen, the first couple, Donald and Melania Trump. Now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. Of which I'm sorry. 
Okay, that was uh, a lot of my way, wasn't it? If, <laughs> if you didn't cheat and you went all the way through every single one of those songs, God bless you. Um, <clears throat> well, am I trying to prove a point <laughs> by doing such a thing? Well, no, sort of. The, the song My Way reminds me of a blog post that I did. I actually posted it, and I'll repost it right now. It's called, What Do You Stand For? I hope you can see the correlation between uh, this blog post reading and um, the lyrics of the songs. This may be a very human problem. What do you stand for? What I find is that what people say that they stand for tends not to really be what they stand for. Another name for Wing Chun could be standing. I'm not a huge fan of Martin Luther King, but he did come up with some catchy one-liners. If a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. That's Martin Luther King. Now, in reality, we're all going to live and die. And on this matter, I like to quote Jimi Hendrix. I'm the one that's going to die when it's time for me to die. So let me live my life the way I want to. Now, that's Jimi Hendrix. Somewhat contrasting philosophies there. Now, I like the spirits of these words, but both philosophies are a bit short-sighted. If you take your philosophy from one-liners, a person may never find a thing to die for and yet be more than sufficient and fit to live. And in a symbiotic world of overpopulated humans, no, I don't think everyone should just live the way they want to. And this is a Wing Chun question. What do you stand for? Okay, I'll go first. I stand for reason, logic, and science. We are well past the phase of sitting on the fence here, living in a mythical fairy tale world and holding seats of social power and influence. That's including voting. That's including being a teacher, even working as a bouncer in a bar, and of course, raising children. They're untenable and forbidden by any civilized culture. Let me say that again. It's, it's a kind of difficult thing, but living in a mythical fairy tale world and holding seats of social power and influence are untenable and forbidden by any civilized culture, or at least should be, right? There are no armchair weekend warriors in this new battle on consciousness. And yes, I'm still talking what we call in Wing Chun, Chum Q, or building the bridge. And I'll soon be moving on to Buji, which means thrusting, moving forward. This question that I ask is important to me. I want to hear your reply on this. I need to know what it is what is it that you publicly stand for? All right. Integrity Radio.
On the issue of uh, God, I've been thinking lately, maybe that whole concept is becoming moot, and God is no longer needed. Humans have accomplished all the things that God has accomplished. What do we do now? On other issues, yes, you're right. It is impossible to keep up with everyone. <clears throat> I think one has to be uh, uh, selective in who we listen to and who we respond to, at least on uh, this radio thingy. Philip, I have a problem. I have a problem. That's right. I can't agree with you more. <laughs> of course, that's always my problem with you. I can't agree with you more. Yeah, walking on water. Chris Angel's got that. And he's not even a good magician. Well, okay, he's okay. Two creatures on the ark. Man, we got genetic cloning, you know, cloning and all that. Bringing the dead back to life. Pfft, look at our president. Look at the old age homes. They're full of people that have been brought back to life many, many times. And a virgin birth? Well, <laughs> my mother is proof of that. And suffering? Hell, nobody suffered more than my grandmother. You might have heard of her. She's the real Mother Teresa. People need to understand that we finally have this luxury. And it's, it's only recently come to be. The luxury to think and see things with our own eyes. We no longer have to take things on authority. We can do the work and be the authority. This is unprecedented and it may disappear. It's not a given. We need to take advantage of our potential while it is still clear to us. Running back into the caves is not going to give us the answers but reaching for the stars, as Neil deGrasse Tyson would put it. So when a child sings, or used to sing, I don't think they do anymore, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, it's not twinkling. Something powerful, dramatic, and dynamic is happening to it, right? <laughs> well, yes, and we call that twinkling. Yeah, so, right. yeah, there's starlight coming billions of, uh, or millions of light years well, it depends on if it's a gal. Hundreds of thousands of light years across space, and it's a perfect point of light as it hits our atmosphere. Turbulence in the atmosphere jiggle the image, and it renders the star a twinkling. And by the way, planets are brighter than stars typically, like Jupiter and, and Venus. Venus has been in the evening skies lately. And uh, if you go twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, and you, w I want, you want to wish upon the star, most people are wishing on planets. <laughs> right. That's why the wishes don't come true. <laughs> the planets are the first stars to come out at night. Don't you sometimes feel uh, sad about breaking all these myths apart? <laughs> no, no, because I, I, I think it's uh, some myths are, are deserve to be broken apart out of respect for the human intellect that. Um, no, when you're writhing on the ground and froth is coming out of your mouth, you're having an epileptic seizure. 
you have not been invaded by the devil. We got this one figured out, okay? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> discovery moves on. So I, I don't mind the power of myth and magic, and, but take it to the next frontier and apply it there. Don't apply it in places where we've long passed what we already know what's going on. I came out of the planetarium, and that evening I sat thinking about what you said in the show about you acknowledged the Big Bang, and you, and I remember that Hubble rewound the process mathematically, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, and calculated that everything, matter, space, energy, even time itself, actually had a beginning. So it turns out that it was not Hubble, although Hubble had the data that enabled the calculation. The person who did that was a Belgian priest, George Lemaitre, he's a, he's a priest, physicist, physicist priest, right. okay? What a cool thing to have on your <laughs> business card. You got, every, you got people coming and going with that. But uh, he calculated what the implications of Einstein's general relativity, which was the new theory of gravity, would be with Hubble's expanding universe. And he says the whole universe may have begun in a singular point in the past. And thus, the uh, Big Bang, as a phrase, was used pejoratively of this idea, but it stuck. An incredible flash of energy and light, though. And matter, and yeah, all of this, all of the above. Do you give people who make this case that that was the beginning and that there had to be something that provoked the beginning, do you give them an A, at least, for trying to reconcile faith and reason? Um, I don't think they're reconcilable. What do you mean? Well, well so let me say that differently. All efforts that have been invested by brilliant people of the past have failed at that exercise. They just fail. And so I don't, I, I don't, the track record is so poor that going forward I have essentially zero confidence, near zero confidence, that there will be fruitful things to emerge from the effort to reconcile them. So, for example, if you... If you knew nothing about science and you read, say, the Bible, the Old Testament, which in Genesis is an account of nature, that's, that's what that is. And I said to you, give me your description of the natural world based only on this. You would say the world was created in six days and that stars are just little points of light, much lesser than the sun. And in fact, they can fall out of the sky, right? Because that's what happens during, during the, um, Revelation, one of the signs that yeah. the second coming is that the stars will fall out of the sky and land on earth. So it's even right that means you don't know what those things are. You have no concept of what the actual universe is. So everybody who tried to make proclamations about the physical universe based on Bible passages got the wrong answer. <laughs> so what happened was when science discovers things, and you want to stay religious, or you want to continue to believe that the Bible is, is unerring, what you would do is, you would say, well, let me go back to the Bible and reinterpret it. Then you'd say things like, oh, they didn't really mean that literally, they meant that figuratively. So this whole sort of reinterpretation of the fig how figurative the poetic passages of the Bible are came, came after science showed that this is not how things unfolded. And so the educated religious people are perfectly fine with that. It's the fundamentalists who want to say that the Bible is the literally, literal truth of God that, and want to see the Bible as a science textbook 
who are knocking on the science doors of the schools trying to put that content in the science. Uh, enlightened religious people are not behaving that way. They're saying, yes, yeah, science is cool, we're good with that, and use the Bible for, to get your spiritual enlightenment and your emotional fulfillment. I have known serious religious people, not fundamentalists, who were scared when Carl Sagan opened his series with the words, The cosmos is all it is, or ever was, or ever will be. And that scared them, because they interpret that to mean then if this is it, there's nothing else. No God and no life after. For, for religious people, many people say, well, God is within you. or yeah. God, There are ways that people have shaped this, rather than God is an old gray-bearded man in the clouds. So if God is within you, what I'm sure Carl would say, in you, in your mind. In your mind, and we can measure the neurosynaptic firings when you have a religious experience. We can tell you where that's happening, when it's happening, what you're feeling like at the time. So your mind, of course, is still within the cosmos. But do you have any sympathy for people who seem to feel, only feel safe in the vastness of the universe you describe in your show if they can infer a personal God who makes it more hospitable to them, who cares for them? In this, uh, what we tell ourselves is a free country, which means you should have freedom of thought. It, I don't care what you think. I just don't. Go think whatever you want. Go ahead. Think that there's one gods, two gods, ten gods, or no gods. That is what it means to live in a free country. The problem arises is if you have a religious philosophy that is not based in objective realities that you then want to put in the science classroom then I'm going to stand there and say, no, I'm not going to allow you in the science classroom. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm just telling you in the science class, you're not doing science. This is not science. Keep it out. That's where I, that's when I stand up. Otherwise, go ahead. I, I, I'm not telling you how to think. I think you must realize that some people are going to go to your show at the planetarium and they're going to say, aha, those scientists have discovered God, because God, dark matter, is what holds this universe together. Was that a question? <laughs> it's a statement. You know, you know they're going to so, say that. So the history of discovery, particularly cosmic discovery, but discovery in general, scientific discovery, is one where at any given moment there's a frontier. And there tends to be an urge for people, especially religious people, to assert that across that boundary into the unknown lies the handiwork of God. This shows up a lot. Newton even said it. He had his laws of gravity and motion, and he was explaining the moon and the planet. He was there. He doesn't mention God for any of that. And then he gets to the limits of what his equations can calculate. So I don't can't quite figure this out. Maybe God steps in and makes it right every now and then. That's, that's where he invoked God. And, and Ptolemy, he, he, he bet on the wrong horse, but he was a brilliant guy. He formulated the geocentric universe with Earth in the middle. This is where we got epicycles and all these, right. all this, the machinations of the heavens. There was still a mystery to him. He, he looked up and uttered the following words. 
when I trace at my pleasure the windings to and fro of the heavenly bodies. These are the planets going through retrograde and back. The mysteries of the earth. When I trace at my pleasure the windings to and fro of the heavenly bodies, I no longer touch earth with my feet. I stand in the presence of Zeus himself and take my fill of ambrosia. What he did was invoke, he didn't invoke Zeus to account for the rock that he's standing on or the air he's breathing. It was this point of mystery. And in gets invoked, has been described by philosophers as the god of the gaps. If, if that's how you, if that's where you're going to put your god in this world, then God is an ever-receding pocket of scientific ignorance. If that's how you're going to invoke God. If God is the mystery of the universe. These mysteries, we're, t we're tackling these mysteries one by one. If you're going to stay religious at the end of the conversation, God has to be more to you than just where science has yet to tread. So to the person who says, maybe dark matter is God, if the only reason why you're saying it's because it's a mystery, then get ready.
If you want to be awe-inspired, ladies and gentlemen, and let me say, let me just tell you that those of us who do not believe we are divinely created, let alone divinely supervised, are not immune to the idea of awe and beauty and the, the transcendent. Let me invite you to look for a moment at the pictures taken by the Hubble telescope. Some of you may have done it. If you haven't done it now, or yet, do it soon. The extraordinary revelations of, 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 of swirling, yet somehow beautiful new galaxies uh, in, in color and depth and majesty like nothing I think the human eye has ever seen. Turn away from that if you wish and, say, and gaze at a burning bush in, a, in an illiterate desert part of the Middle East and say that that's where revelation comes from. I don't believe you'll be able to do it. Or read a page of Stephen Hawking on the absolute magnificence and, and consistency and underlying beauty as Einstein says, the great miracle of, of physics is there are no miracles. It all, it all carries on holding together all the time. There are no interruptions in its order. There are no suspensions of it just to please Joshua or just to please uh, some sect or tribe or group. No, it's much, much, much more impressive than that. Hawking has a colleague who looked at the event horizon of the black hole. If you could travel towards a black hole, not yet possible to do. If you could, in theory, the event horizon is the point at which the black hole is pulling everything into itself. So over into the black hole goes light itself. It's so strong it can pull light back into itself. It's really awe-inspiring. A lot more say than a crowd of pigs infested by devils running down a hill into the sea, which is a piece of sorcery and cheap magic of the sort that shouldn't impress any thinking person. Think about a black hole instead. Pulling the light into itself, the event horizon just reorganizing nature. So that if you could get to that lip, the lip of that event horizon, and fall in and go in, you could in theory see the past and the future stretching before and in front of you. You would see time, except you wouldn't have the time to do it. If you, were mere, if you were a mere primate, as we are. But Hawking has a colleague who says if he knew he was dying of a terminal illness, that's how he'd want to go out, is over the lip of the event horizon. That would be majesty. That would be magnificence. That would be awe-inspiring. That would be apocalyptic. So it's in the natural world, it's in the world of science and the world of innovation and discovery and doubt, we wouldn't have discovered any of these things if we'd taken the religious story for granted to begin with. We would have said we already know enough. We know. God made this. God wants it this way. What's the need for inquiring? We already have all the information we need. The big difference between this side of the house, mine, and the other, is this. I am absolutely certain that I do not know, but that it might be possible to find out, and that doubt and skepticism and innovation and inquiry are the only means by which wonder and beauty and awe and symmetry will be discovered and beyond those peaks we can yet see new more wonderful peaks will rise whereas on the Wilson side of the house it is said we already have the certainty we know that God created us and we even claim to know his mind and what he wants of us and I just invite you to open your minds to the possibility
that the skeptical and the inquiring and the doubtful will be better than anything that calls itself faith. Because anything that calls itself faith calls itself certainty. And for certainty, I think there is no place in an institute of intellectual mentation and higher education. And I'm very grateful to you all for giving me the chance to say so. Thank you. That, that strange speech, you know, like the Down syndrome speech pattern. Yeah, they were more pattern. regular. Totally normal, regular yeah. speech, and yeah, it's, it was really amazing. Well, what Ron is talking about is the Williams syndrome. And uh, Williams syndrome, uh, I've never heard of it before, but it's certainly, as soon as uh, we, uh, as soon as I pulled up the video, uh, it sort of resonated with me, uh, understanding it. And a lot of issues, uh, a lot of things we learn in psychology are from mental illnesses. When certainly. We study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is really incredible uh, finding. So without further ado, here's Williams syndrome. Williams syndrome is a genetic condition which affects approximately one in 15,000 people in the UK. It's caused by a tiny deletion of one of the uh, chromosomes and, uh, and the effects are, are varied. It affects your heart, your legs, your arms. It affects everything. Anxiety is a a big thing. Um, They don't cope with change and stress particularly well. It it causes a lot of muscle weakness and it's more apparent when they're babies. That you're actually born with it. It's not hereditary. One, Williams syndrome does not make your child any less your child. And number two, it doesn't mean your child's not perfect. We're just people that love be friendly with people. It's like being with sunshine. It just makes everybody smile. They're just full of the the joys of life. They're so happy, sociable, outgoing. They bring so much joy to to other people. They're just amazing people to to be around. Where's my nose? Beep, beep. Good girl. (laughs) Everything is exciting. Everything is happy and wonderful. There's nothing that really gets them down. One lovely positive is it, they tend to be very musical and they actually process sound in a different way to the rest of us. Their view of the world is not cynical and it's not weathered and it's not, you know, embittered. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually as a child would view the world. It's full of joy, it's full of potential friends, it's full of happiness and music and laughter. It's quite an infectious thing she has. She gives us confidence. <laughs> The only fear I think I have is that I don't want her to feel like Williams Syndrome becomes before her. How she's going to manage with independence, knowing that not everybody is as nice as her. (laughs) (laughs) When he goes to school, will he fit in? Will he be able to go to the same school as my older child? The learning difficulties, she may be behind, but, you know, I'm fully supportive of that. Will he have friends? Yeah, will he just be able to lead... A normal life. Good or bad points about it for me is that I have people that I can talk to. The best thing that I've, I do know, I've got two good parents. They're very intuitive and they can identify somebody's mood by the look on their face when they walk into the room. You know. 
I know you're cross with me, Mum. <laughs> keep, keep focusing, you're Are doing well. Are there some questions for me as well? Yes, of course, yeah. yeah. He, get, he gets hot and bothered about things, don't you? Mm -hmm. and, um, and so he sort of paces round like a lion, you know, prowling, because he, he gets uncomfortable. Sometimes it's very hard for us to deal with things. Because they are so individual, you just have to let all your preconceptions go, otherwise you'd go crazy and you just have to think, right, this is the little person in front of me and what's going to be best for him. Go, go! <laughs> our son is, is just our son. He's, he's just a unique individual and, and we just kind of you know, work with him and we work together as a family to kind of help him aspire to and achieve the things that he... Yeah, he wants to achieve. It's not a big deal having Williams syndrome. It's just your life is different to other people's. Who have the intention to work, and clearly, if it is addressed to those people, it is intended to be accepted and acted upon. And this is emphasised by the final passage, it's intended to be taken as a way of life. If we ourselves wish to work, we must ask ourselves whether this document represents for us a way of life. A way of life. If you will accept the conditions as what you're aiming at, then the rest of this applies to you. Otherwise, not. Rock and roll is about fucking. I mean, no, it's totally that's not, I don't it really is. It's very... It's very sexy, I think. Mm. People who play rock and roll are very mm. sexy. That is the possibility that we should explore. Can you tell me about your first experience of a nuclear explosion? people who want to know more. It's not a record that's out to showcase a guitar player. There's a solo in there, but it's all, it's more composed than I'd say. How do I dance to this music? Close, very, very close. Exactly. Then, to know that today one will teach, tomorrow one will learn, this is the thing that gives us confidence that we can play any role that's given to us. Yes, including that... the role which is our own destiny, which we've got to find after all. It's not just in order to be versatile. It's yes. far beyond that. It is only the discovery of versatility is the step towards discovering our super potential. What do you mean by super potential? I mean that our ordinary faculties, our speech and thinking and so on are not the whole of our potential we have the possibility of other perceptions as you know and this is one of the remarkable things that in this relatively short time people began to be aware that they could be in com contact with one another they could understand one another without words yeah. this is the beginning of the emerging of the super potential and I think it's particularly important at this time because with the world as it is, we're going to need other means of communication, not, not through words, yes. not from the outside. We're so jammed together that we've got to be able to understand one another and accept one another quite differently. All that belongs to the super potential. 
there's going to be need for new ways of understanding one another, new ways of accepting one another. We're moving into a new kind of society. We can dimly see what it's going to be and we know that we're not prepared for it. That is the, that is the crux of the whole of this educational crisis in which we are. The super potential of man and woman, of course. Did you hear him talk about a need for another language, another way of communicating that wasn't language? The new way of communicating that he had only a shadow of a perception was already invented 400 years ago and it was the Wing Chun Itman Chris Chan Sifu Zi method of communication through Chi Sao again if you don't train in Wing Chun with me you may have a hard time understanding what I'm saying here and, and you'll have to forgive me for just this segment. However, if you are a student and, and if you're confused as to what I'm saying and the connections that I'm making, then you should definitely speak up. And if you can even see more correlations than what I'm making, you should definitely bring that up. Now the battle here is to not let this whole topic slip and slide down a slope of metaphysics. The field of modern psychology is enough to verify the things, the claims, the findings of Wing Chun. Now what separates us, what separates Wing Chun and our form of Wing Chun from the chafe or the chaff? Which one is it? Well, I think I put the answer before the question. It is exactly because we do not need to slip into metaphysics or some uh, philosophical idioms or axioms. We can refer to pure psychological observations. There are mathematicians, psychologists, physicists, biologists, evolutionary biologists. They can all technically say what I'm saying much better and I, I invite you to. Now you gotta ask yourself, how does someone like myself that am not educated in any scientific field, any field of psychology, how do I know these things? How have I come to know these things? How can I speak of these things so um, fluently, if you will, without having been taught them prior? And the answer is this. Wing Chun physically embodies these principles in a very poetic, poetic yet physical manner. Our brain doesn't teach our bodies in Wing Chun. Our bodies and our structures teach our brains. 
This is a 400-year-old basic Wing Chun understanding that only now is being verified through neuroscience. Not as philosophical, hypothetical, um, metaphysical mumbo-jumbo, but actual method of communicating our super potential. So, woo, thank you for uh, sticking with me through this segment. It was hard to get out. It's the end of the day, and it's actually very... This was a hard segment to get out, but I feel um, important. In closing, Wing Chun is that method of communicating our super potential. Of course, only if you use it that way. All forms of communication can be abused. So you have to treat this form of communication with respect and with dignity. Again, this art form was invented by women 400 years ago. Integrity Radio. And one of the principles of change is that we are not able to change other people. But there is a possibility that we can change ourselves. And therefore, that is the possibility that we should explore and not concern ourselves with the defects of other people and the consequences of their defects in terms of social injustice and the rest. There's another principle of change, and that is that change can only be proportionate to the amount of force which is put into it. But forceful change can only be effectual and positive if there is an equal response to it. That is, revolutionary and violent change can only be destructive. And therefore, even if an enormous force for change were at our disposal, we couldn't use it suddenly or immediately without producing destruction. And this principle of change is that one cannot change the present, but that there is the possibility of changing the future. And I'm going to speak in terms of these two principles. First of all, that we cannot change others, but there is a possibility of changing ourselves. We cannot change the present, but there is a possibility of changing the future.